People get bored if I say it all the time. So I don't know hey. how we've had the same tagline from the very beginning on this sucker. We should have the people that are on. Like, so our guest needs to be the one that's saying it, like, whenever we do that. Yeah, we'll have to start doing that. Speaking yeah. of guests, we got one tonight. Yeah, I'm excited um, about this. Now, as far as introductions, I know you guys usually rag on me because I don't do introductions correctly. That's right. Or I leave them off. John was supposed to be writing. New introductions because... For tonight? Yes. My whole thing with the introductions was Greg Gutfeld on the five. Right. He's the master of writing introductions for everybody. You... I remember you would like joke around and say, hey, listen to this guy. Greg Gutfeld's amazing. (laughs) If the the one lady, she's like, she's the queen of polka dots. And I was like, who makes this stuff up? This stuff is corny sometimes. Sometimes it's really funny. He's been doing that ever since he did... um, what was that show he used to do overnight at Fox? Red Eye. Red Eye. Red Eye. That was a good show, by That's the way. where he used, to, he used to have like Gavin McInnes and Anthony Cumia and all these guys that now are banned from our society. Yes. Greg Gutfeld used those to have Those outlaws. Yeah. We love those guys. Kanan, we got you over there, bud. Yeah, buddy. So, Where's Mariah? She's out killing them flies, man. The old fly Making ninja. hot tea and uh, killing hot flies. That's right. Exactly what she's doing. <laughs> well, hey, I, I mean, it's not like she didn't have time before this. <laughs> but you know, you know, that, that's what it's like yeah, though when I'm you're like, living homeless and you don't have a house. <laughs> you're true. doing what you can to stay warm, and those flies, man, that, that's awful. I know it. You know, got flies in our cardboard box. You know. <laughs> you gotta watch out for them. Them pesky flies. <laughs> I don't so, even know. My, my medications were off, and I don't remember if I even finished my thought. You did not, that, but it's okay. So John was supposed to be writing <laughs> right. uh, introductions, and he's supposed to be. In fact, he'll probably come busting in like in the middle of the program. That's okay. We'll make room for him. Screaming that nobody did his introductions. <laughs> but he's not here, so there are no introductions tonight. It's, uh, and, like, and like Kanan said, the people that listen on a regular basis, if you don't know who we are by now, then you might want to get a doctor's appointment or something. Like that. <laughs> or, or you are not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> so take your pick. Yeah. Are you a fan or are you not? <laughs> we do have. Uh, we got a guest tonight that I'm really. I've really been looking forward to. I've been talking, David. I've been talking to you for what, probably a, a month or more, trying to get this worked out. Where oh sp- yeah, something like that. A month yeah. and a half, probably. Trying to get all of our schedules together because uh, unfortunately none of us are famous enough to do this for a living that's <laughs> so, true <laughs> we, we got to plan it all around our day jobs it's okay before we get into uh well the guest is is uh, david eicher uh, i've i never really hung around you much david I, I hung around your brother more playing guitar and stuff like that but saw you around like canaan's uh the heskett camp there in nelsonville yeah. and were you ever at clinton I was there a couple times to be at clinton but um i think maybe twice at the most not super often maybe like an evening service here or there, or something like that. Maybe one day. Okay, I think I think I think your brother used to hang out there maybe a little more because that's yeah yeah I think so. Me and him would get together and he would uh, play all kinds of worldly Beach Boys music that you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you guys would be busy. He's super good at the Beach Boys song. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yes indeed. That's right. And then you guys would eat French fries off the floor. I do remember. There's a picture somewhere. Yes, there is. Yeah, somebody knocked some French fries <laughs> on the floor, and me and Ryan were. 
down eating off the floor. It, it was it was the weirdest. Maybe picture. it was just me. I don't. Remember. I think it was just you. But Ryan's laughing so hard in the background, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, there's some good so, times. We had some good times. With yes. Um, Cannon, you called me today. <laughs> Before we get into the topic with David, yeah. I got something that that almost kind of, uh, in a way, goes along with what we're going to talk about tonight. But okay. a little bit of an aside, Kanan calls me today uh, almost in a panic. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. He sounded like you missed that time that you had all that caffeine and you came in and you were just <laughs> flying Uh-oh. off the mouth. Oh no! <laughs> so I I'm at I'm at a coal mine. Uh, doing some work and I see him getting a call from Canada so I pick it up and he's like hey uh, are you real busy and I'm like I, I got a couple minutes he's like uh, I just got a call about this podcast you gotta check out this podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh no and it just so happens um, an episode of Dateline just came out that one of the uh, main areas that's featured yep. in this episode is a Bible college that we all uh, kind of grew up knowing. We all know about. Hope Sound Bible College, yeah. Yeah, it's a big wig. My mom went there to Bible school yes. back 80. My grandmother did too. Did oh she Oh my really? gosh, like what, 83? It, it was like in the early 80s. Early 80s because my mom and dad got married in 86. So it had to have been like 80, 81 to 84. Okay. I think it would have been around. How many years was she down there? She got her bachelor's degree in teaching, children education. Which is what, four years? Four years. She had the, oh. This is before they were even accredited, and they got the opportunity to become recognized by the government. And my mom was like, no, like um, my job is to teach my children. And she did exactly that and then went back to nursing school, so became a nurse. So she used her so degree just for us. She dabbled in two separate fields, yeah. Yes. Yes, right. I have a wonderful mother. Well, this guy, what was his name? Howard... Uh, Ashelman. Ashelman. Howard Ashelman. Yeah. Known as Howie. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you watch the Dateline episode, homicide, he's known as Homicide. homicide. Oh, Homicide Howie? Like legit? No, that's, that, that's that, why his family that's, called him. That's what one of his, yeah, his family called him. He actually had a, he had, man, dude, this is going to be a whole podcast. In we yeah. I know. No, we, we, okay, I hold know. on. We need to like, just let Dave have the platform. That's what I was this. thinking. I wanted to hit this quick. Yes. We got to do a whole nother podcast. No, no, that's this ties right into what we're talking about. Yes, it I does. Mean, that's, why I want, that's why I wanted to bring <laughs> no, it up. It okay. Uh, so Howard Ashman, you knew him, right, Miss? Yes. We would go, we went to his house. I remember when we went, they were in, it was either Iowa or Illinois. I want to say it was like Davenport. Um, because yep. my parents. Illinois? Yeah. Um, that's where I was born. And then my parents did a lot of uh, missionary work and we were traveling. So we would go to their house and we stayed at their house. I remember we like stayed at the basement and they, they had some really, they have some nice kids like those kids. They, but you know, I, I hate to say it like this, but the church really hurt them a lot. Um, but That's they were, they were story. nice. They were nice kids. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, they were more, I don't even like to say this because I am friends with them, but it, it felt like they were more of the, um, they weren't the popular kids. So they didn't get a lot of the attention I, I hate saying it like that, but like, and I gravitate towards the ones that become the shove underneath the rug and forget about them. They are just there because of, um, for numbers and their money and this, that. So I don't know if that makes sense. They were more well, of an outcast mm-hmm. family. From what I'm understanding though, from the episode on Dateline, Howard was like took in by another family, right? Yeah. The Bensons. Yeah, yes. that, but yes. that was later on. I'm talking so about Howie, like uh, before. I see. Before this even happened, he was young, super young. I yeah, was. So he was. Young. 
Yes, yes. And it did say in Dateline that he was from Illinois originally and yep. moved to um, well, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was And was down there, at, you know, at like the age of 21, worked yep. a little construction job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, wow. Yeah, I knew his sisters um, and his other brothers. and They would come to our house. In fact, their parents became missionaries, or not missionaries, pastors of the church that my dad was after... Um, my dad got kicked out because, you know, he cared too much about people and wasn't doing the BMC way. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you that the, the church has scarred, scarred my family and like Hallie's family. And well, no wonder people. No, you said the B, you said the BNC way. What's the, the, the Bible missionary church. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I figured it was the initials for church. I couldn't think, I couldn't think what the church was yeah. there. Bible missionary church. They're, they're. They're they're very strict. Um, yes, they're very uh, extreme, it, exclusive. They don't like to have anybody else from another church. It, in fact, I was looked down upon. My parents were ridiculed because they raised me wrongly because I married someone who was not part of that church organization. That's Same just okay. <laughs> yeah. They're very. They're yeah, very. Like, uh, I mean, there's, there's there's a dozen there's a dozen different um, holiness groups that have that same feeling about the others. So, yeah. <laughs> and I don't understand you know? it, which Why? has always like, been odd no to me sense. because the differences in the beliefs of those holiness holiness right. uh, denominations are minuscule. Right. You know what? Uh, I well, don't. But there. Yeah, and I I don't want to jump ahead of the subject, but um. But, the, but there's a reason for that. Um, there's actually a psychological term tr- called triangulation, yeah. um, which, which yeah. partly is the idea. There's a lot that goes on with triangulation. But one thing is that um, I try to go and, you know, I'm going to buddy up with you and it's going to be you and me against him. And what these churches have done is they've triangulated because that's how they get their value. We're in and he's out. But the thing is, once you can ratchet the pressure up enough, you force the other group out. And so now the only identity that you have, the only identity that you have is the fact that you're right and the other guy is wrong. And now he's not there anymore. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. now you have to find something new. Yep. To, to triangulate on. Yes. And, and so this is why this splitting and resplitting happens because these people are addicted to the feeling of being the only right person in the room. Oh, yeah. And once you've pushed everybody else out, th- that process continues and it doesn't matter. You can decide that the real issue now is how wide your necktie is. And that's the issue oh, yeah. that's worth splitting over. Yeah. And once we all, once we've all settled on that and pushed everybody out that disagrees with us, now we're going to pick ch- ch- what shade of color the necktie is or, mm-hmm. or how wide your socks are or whatever. And once we've done it, and it's just this continual thing until you've got like four people, likely they're all the same family that are running their little club and they feel like they're all <laughs> special and, and holy and so forth. <laughs> exactly. Like that's, that's the process. And it's like, it's a legit psychological thing. Yes. But when you understand that, it helps you to understand why, why the, and I sound like a bash Holy's movement. It's why religious fundamentalists as a whole are so psychotic because they are. Yes, they yeah. are. You said, I that is said it better correct. Myself. Where's the hammer? You just hit it on the head, man. Okay, man, so that was amazing. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> like, round of applause, man. That was good. Like, that was churches out here and like talk that. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. 
you should be you should be on the circuit. <laughs> You're trying. Yeah, very well, so, very so, well broken down. I like that. It mm-hmm. sounds very narcissistic. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and absolutely, it absolutely is. Like, I mean, I think that there's, I think there's definitely a like a, I don't know, you must say a psych- psychological component mm-hmm. to it, but there's also the thing that it that those kind of movements attract those kind of people because they can get away with their BS. Yes, you're yeah. exactly right. Yes. It's encouraged. It is encouraged. Yes. You're exactly yeah. right. They have the ruthlessness to claw their way to the top and be able to to be able to build the kind of group that they want mm-hmm. that um, that you know that's going to bow to them because they have this special twist on what really makes you holy. Yes. One thing I found Shame too. One thing I found too, like with just my gr- like growing up with my parents and our church that we were a part of, um, they like to be the identity of the person. When you base mm-hmm. everything on like how from how you dress to how you oh, yeah. go to church to how often you pray, like you know you have to read your Bible like three times in a year. Like there was like all this different things that you had to do because it was the identity that church wanted you to have. Mm-hmm. Once yeah. you base your children on that identity and that's becomes all, you know, if that gets stripped away, which it happened to my parents multiple times, mm-hmm. it happened to me. Like I, I felt like I had to get saved all over again and discover what exactly the love of Jesus was because the Jesus that mm-hmm. I was, I discovered like was not what I was taught in church. It was like, you know, if you messed up, you were done. You were like, you were going to go to hell because Mm -hmm. like, you know, there was no redemption or restoration. Excuse me. There was redemption like for that one time, but like depending on who you were, um, there was always that hypocritical, Oh, they're just confused. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, because they were part of that popular family. And I grew up with Mm -hmm. that and it drove me crazy Mm -hmm. because Jesus does not know who like the gender or who you are, whose family you are, how much money you have in the bank. It did not matter. And my parents taught me that. So whenever I'd go to the college, I would go to church camps, to different places. I'd be like, wait, that that's not what the Bible says. I know that because my parents have read the Bible to me and it caused a lot of conflict because I did not identify with what they were teaching. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? It was not what I was taught. And I was like, this is not Bible. That's not Bible. And I'd say something and it it got me kicked out of Bible school. (laughs) Yes, it did. (laughs) Anyways. Well, the reason I I wanted to just hit on this uh, Asherman thing, because I think this can be tied into what we're going to talk about with David this evening they so of course and, and i'm sure we'll talk more about this in the future as far as really digging into this this topic of, of right. howard ashman but he had murdered a guy yeah and the cops were aware of it mm-hmm. basically from pretty much the very beginning and this dragged out over i think the course of several years he even had, he even had conversations with people or with the police officers about it Yes, they they would bring him in, question him. They said, but we never had any concrete evidence. Concrete evidence to charge him. Well, then uh, Howard just comes up missing. Basically, he he took off, and when they find him, because the the mom of the boy that had gotten murdered, she was making it her quest to basically watch David or Howard Ashelman, and then also try to find the remains of her son 
because right. she had promised him, you know, that she would uh, bury him next to his brother. And this is a this is a long story, but anyways, when they find Ashelman, he is singing in the quartet and the choir at Hope Sound Bible College. Do you have a clip of this? I sure I don't have a clip of him singing, but I do have some clips. Uh, because oh, it's on Dateline, though. It was on Dateline. We need to kind of break down that clip later on. Yes. I would like to have a down, like, really interesting conversation about this because... Yes. Oh, I would, I would too. Yeah. We definitely need to do a dive into it, but, I mean, obviously not tonight. But, yeah, dude, well, the reason I was so, like, kind of... Um, I was, like, <laughs> bouncing off the walls talking to you about it was because <laughs> I was actually down there around that time. Uh, well, 2017, I was actually down there around that time that they were investigating all that. Wow. Um, but also, too, is I actually knew the girl that he was uh, dating. And oh, wow. I remember seeing a picture of them together. And I just, I was just kind of like, I think I, I felt like, I was just like, this, this kid doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. But then I started asking people about him. And everybody's like, oh, man, no, dude, he's a cool dude. He's a good Christian guy. Like, you know, he's awesome. And so I had no reason at that point to, like, continue mm -hmm. like thinking there was something wrong. And then today, my buddy Matt calls me up and is like, dude, do you know this guy? Like, you need to look this up. So I started looking it up. And I'm like, dude, that's the guy. Like, that's the guy <laughs> Isn't right that here. scary? Like, weird. Like, whatever. You've always had so, good people intuition, though. That, like, yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't so strong that I was like, I'm not no, gonna like this dude, it. but I questioned him and then just moved on. And then today was like reassured. I was like, ah, there was something there. He's psycho. Well, and so, I think that's yep. a smart thing to do, and that's mm -hmm. where I think leads into what we're going to talk about with David. I'm going to play a couple clips from the Dateline episode. Okay. Um, okay. The first one I'm going to play is Dan Stetler's um, Ooh, basically yeah. video uh -huh. press release, whatever yes. you want to call yes. it. Okay. And, and we'll, we'll play this here first. When he shared the incident with us, we realized it was very serious. And we told him that he could no longer continue as a student at Hope Sound Bible College. We urged him to go back to North Carolina and make confession to the proper authorities. Okay, that seems well and good, correct? Right. I mean, that's what I would yeah. have done if I was... But what happened the first time somebody called to warn them about, it. about David Ashman? He was still there. This private detective. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep calling him David. Howard. Why do you call him David? I don't know. It's just, it seems like it should go with Ashman. <laughs> I think he does have. Isn't his father's name David? I, that I don't know. But this private detective called to warn them about this guy. Right. And here's basically. A, well, I'll just I'll just give you his his account of it. He's like, well, not Howard. You know, he's in the choir. And I said, well, you obviously don't know Howard like we know him. I said, go online. Look at it. Look mm -hmm. up James Chambers missing. I did remind him that his job was to take care of his flock. You got a potentially a bad sheep in the flock. Well, they got a wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing. clothing. Yeah. Man. Now, to be clear, he, uh, from what I understand, he did not call uh, Stetler. This was... The, the only thing that Dateline said it was like a youth leader, youth pastor, or whatever there. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's what I heard. But my whole reason for bringing this up is the first jump, how do you want to say this? The first leap that is made in so many of these instances is, oh, there's no, this is a man of God. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is a man mm -hmm. of God. He can do no wrong. Now, the guy may have gotten saved. I don't know that. You right. know, he may right. have, and, and and that's fine. That's great. I hope he I hope he did, and, or if he hasn't, I hope he does. 
But at the same time, that way of thinking can be very dangerous. That's dangerous. Can be Absolutely. very dangerous. <laughs> and that's exactly why we brought David on yes. this evening to talk about some things. David, yeah. won't you give a little... That is a very good way to tie that. Like, you I like just that? want to congratulate you on that. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Like, that, that, that's my husband right there. I'm so proud. Yay. Okay. Next. Sorry. <laughs> David, won't you give us a little backstory there? Yes. And, and uh, Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I guess I'm not 100% sure exactly the, the best way to title, um, you know, what we're talking about. It's a pretty, pretty broad thing, but I think uh, – one of the best ways to describe it is just simply the the amount of abuse, um, whether it's abuse of authority, whether it's just flat out um, domestic violence, mm-hmm. um, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse. That is, we're we're just um, in whatever you want to call it, conservative Christianity, which I think most of us would identify with. Yes. Um, probably all of us would identify with to one level. Um, it's funny because I've got friends, uh, family that would consider me a liberal, and by almost everybody in the universe of standards, I'm freakishly conservative. <laughs> I'm sure you know what that's like. <laughs> so, yep. So, um, you know, it's it's all a matter of perspective. But um, we're talking we're talking about conservative Christianity. I'm talking about three main three major, and this is really broad brush. But I'm talking about um, conservative Baptists, you know, IFB, that kind. I'm talking about conservative holiness. I'm talking about conservative Anabaptists, Mennonites, Amish, and so forth. And um, my my experience, um, it just to, just to give you a little bit of my story and kind of why I've become really super passionate about this, is um, I grew up um, beachy Mennonite. Um, I guess technically it's beachy Amish, but we weren't Amish. I mean, we all, we've always had you know, we'd, we'd have been, if you'd have seen us, you'd have been more, you know, Mennonite. Mm-hmm. But um, I discovered there is a difference culturally as a result of, of getting older. But during my early teens, I got to be friends with um, some conservative holiness people. That's actually, I'm at Canaan and um, started going to their camp there in Nelsonville, got to be friends with um, holiness people there. Through that, I met Dr. England, who was the president of Allegheny Wesleyan College, oh, yeah. I remember him. which I attended. I got my, um, I got my bachelor's degree from there. And so as a, as a teenager, I was really disillusioned with a lot of the stuff that I saw in a Mennonite church. Methodist people thought, you know, wow, here's some people that are really excited about the Lord. And, and there's a lot of positive. I would never I would never wish that I hadn't had the experiences that I had in the time that I spent there or at the camp with, you know, the, the college there. Um, overall, you know, put it all in the balance. And it was definitely more positives than negatives. But there was things that were uh, that I would look back to and term as a spiritual abuse. And what was shocking to me um, was how much similarity there was between that and some of the patterns that I saw among the Mennonites. Mm. And what was really fascinating, I graduated from college, started teaching school in a Mennonite community in northwestern Ohio there in Lima. And some of the things that I saw in the church there matched the things that I saw in college that very similar patterns. And during this period of time, I discovered a website called Stuff Fundies Like um, by a fellow named Daryl Dow, who graduated from PCC, Pensacola Christian College. What was the name of that? In, um, what was that website um, again? Stuff Fundies Like. It's now it's now defunct. I think he I think he left it up, but a lot of the links are broken now and so forth. He's not actively posting anymore. He's walked away from it. Okay. But this guy was an independent fundamental Baptist and he has videos of his experiences and other people sending stuff in from churches and pastors and things that these people are saying. 
And I'm shocked because it's the same things, sometimes almost word for word, the same approaches as I've seen in the Mennonites, in the holiness, and in now in the in the Baptist. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? This is like, it's like somehow the, there's this, this almost identical thread that that's running through these three, what appear to be incredibly disparate cultures. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And so I got really interested in that. What in the world is going on? And so I started doing some digging and I discovered that you can trace all three of these movements back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. Oh, wow. That is when the conservative holiness movement really started being the conservative holiness movement. You talk about all the big names and stuff, the big groups, late 1800s, Early 1900s, that's when God's Bible School started. That's when a lot of these camp meetings and stuff started. It's all, you trace it back there. The same thing of the Independent Fundamental Baptists, and the same thing, there weren't Mennonites. Mennonites go all the way back to the 1500s. Uh -huh. But Mennonites, as they currently exist, the things that they think are important in their culture, the things that they think are important in their theology, all of that stuff was created whole cloth on pre-existing structures, just like Holiness was built on Methodism. Right. Yes. Um, yes, it is. Mennonites are built on that old Anabaptism, but it's like a new flavor. And there were a few big names that pushed it. And the thing is around the issue of modernism versus fundamentalism. And so this is three groups that had their own approaches, their own reactions and responses to fundamental to modernism that they, they were afraid of, you know, evolution and you know, uh, relative morality and all those different things, questioning the authority of scripture, a lot of different stuff that were issues in the early 1900s. And these, these churches were, were scared of that. And so they kind of went into reaction mode and it seems like all three of them responded in the same way. And a major part of that was men that were powerful, that had um, strong voices stepping up to build their own empires based on authority and, and power to structure things. And they came up with different applications, but very similar things regarding clothing. Clothing was a big marker. Uh, before the 1800s, you don't see that clothing, you don't see much of that in, in mm -hmm. any, in, in Hornus or in, um, you go back before the early 1800s, you don't see a lot about clothes. That's very interesting because uh Clothing in in those three groups you just talked about that is one of the major, major markers, and, yes. and it's a deal breaker yes. if you're a member yeah. of one of these outfits. Absolutely. And and so this is and and another thing that happened is it's it's amazing how it happened. So they had their first kind of their first big you know um, growth of this movement, and then in the 1950s and 60s. All three of these movements went through a major internal meltdown. And um, that's where you have like the big conferences broke up in response to the upheaval of the 60s. And there's like this, there's like this reaction. We're going to go back to our old roots from the 1900s. That's the old time religion we're going back to. And that's the modern uh, CHM that you see today and the old time religion they're talking about, it's going back to that, you know, those early 1800s, late, early 1900s, late 1800s days. The Mennonites did the same thing as did the, the independent fundamental Baptists. And so there's this same thread that runs across the three groups 
that is really, really interesting because like a lot of the language is the same, even though there's not interaction between the groups. That, that's very true because these, <clears throat> these three groups, uh, at least I know from the CHM side of things, and I'm assuming from the others as well, they look at each other as basically the enemy. Like we, yeah, we may absolutely. operate, yes. we may operate the same way and have many of the same beliefs, but there are certain things that that they differ on, and so therefore, uh, they don't yeah. accept one another. They they kind of put it out as um, we are the chosen few. Yes, everybody else is confused and lost, and they're rejecting um, God because they're not wanting to join their particular organization. Right. And, and it's, and it's it not even true do- at all. Yeah. <laughs> and it has to do with constructing these really narrowly defined things that we can then use as a wedge that you believe this and I don't believe this. And so, you know, it's not the same. And I've had these conversations with homeless people about, you know, specific, we'll take the doctrine of, of a second work of grace. And people ask me all the time, when you believe a second work of grace, I'm like, well, I don't find his words in the Bible. So let me tell you what I believe. Mm-hmm. And right. then you can tell if I believe second work of grace or not. Yeah, You know, I believe the Bible teaches the book of Hebrews that we can enter into rest. And it says, not obviously, not everybody has entered into rest, because if everybody had entered into rest, he wouldn't tell us we need to enter into rest, would he? Right. So there's obviously something there for Christians to enter into that not all Christians have entered into. Right. So mm-hmm. if you call it saying we're grace, then I agree. Now, some of the other stuff that people add in, you know, I'm not so sure about, but that seems pretty clear to me if you read the book of Hebrews, uh-huh. that there's something more that's entered into. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because he's writing to Christians and he says, enter into rest. But that's not good enough for a lot of hornish people. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. Yes. You're bringing up a topic, man, that my dad would just be so excited to talk about. We had some friends that were um, Baptist. They were like really strict Baptist. Um, the, some of the sweetest, nicest people. And this guy, he said mm-hmm. he, he knew that there was something more that he like he had to do. And he did not know it as sanctification. He did not know it as, you know, there's certain, everybody has a different word for it. I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, but this yeah. guy, when he was talking to my dad, he said, so what, what do you, what do you think happened? And he said, well, he said, I, I think, I think I finally just gave my all to God and I just told him no matter what happened, I was serving him and I was not turning back. I wasn't like, and my dad was like, well, it sounds like you got sanctified. He said, what's that? And so my dad started <laughs> talking to him and, and like, so mm-hmm. like my dad has his own like personal experiences that he's had. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's not, you know, some people are like, they think it's just like an instantaneous thing. And some people believe it's like a stair step climb. There seems um, to be mm-hmm. as many theories on what sanctification is yes. as there are those that believe in it. Really? <laughs> almost, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I've said, and, and I'm exaggerating a bit, but I've said under many different preachers mm-hmm. and I would hear one and I would go down to the altar and I would pray and pray and pray yes. and pray and do whatever they said I was needed to do oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. and think, ha, oh, I got her that time. I, I got and that then time. I would go some other place to revival or a camp meeting and I would hear that preacher talk about it and I'm like, ooh, that's... Uh, that's not what I have. That didn't happen I, for me that way. That's not what I uh-huh. got. So then, right. you know, and there's just, there's all these many theories about it, but... Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, David, go ahead. No, no, you're fine because that's the... The thing is, some of that is innocuous. It's just different people's experiences. But what happens a lot of times, people weaponize that and say, well, you know, you don't believe it the way I do, so you don't really have the goods. That's yeah. exactly you right. Don't really, and that gives me the ability that, like, the fact 
the fact that I'm a Mennonite and I believe in what Hebrews describes, which as best I can tell is what holiness people describe as second word grace. I'm told, no, you don't actually believe that because you don't believe it the way we believe it. Yes. <sighs> yep. Now, what's up with that? Okay. Yes. So like now you've built a fence around your doctrine because you can't accept the idea that somebody can believe the Bible without buying your whole bill of goods of all your cultural stuff that you've added onto the Bible. Yes. Yep. And that's a problem. And, and I'm throwing rocks now. Holiness people, but the Baptists do the same thing. The Mennonites do the same thing. They do the exact same thing. Well, you don't really believe the truth because you don't believe it exactly the way we do. And you say, well, I do believe what you Well, no, because there's this. And no matter what, there's always some difference of why you don't actually believe what they believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's a power trip. It sure is. That, that, that is. that is what it's about. And that ties into the abuse that is so rampant in these circles. Yes. It, Absolutely it, rampant. Because what, yes. what happens in these circles, I know because I've seen it and I've heard it preached from the platform or pulpit or whatever you want to call it. And then you Anybody else would call it a stage, but we couldn't call it that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, is questioning was absolutely looked down upon. You yes. don't question oh, yeah. things. Yes. Even, you that. yeah, yeah, you couldn't do that. Uh, uh, reading after people outside of the conservative holiness movement was discouraged. I used to hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Kanan, you've heard the same thing. You better be careful oh, yeah. who you're listening to and who you're reading after and all this. So any yep. kind of, and, and it was also don't question God. You know, it's like, well, I'm not questioning don't, God. I'm well, questioning you, but you know. They would do that. Right, but that's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, same yeah, thing. Exactly. <laughs> right. I am the voice of God. Don't question me. Yeah. Like, right. I've heard that so exactly. much. So oh. you would have this. And, and then what David's talking about with this abuse of power, then this comes in because a lot of these guys, too, and, and obviously we covered some of this, a lot of this on our CHM episode, right. but a lot of these preachers and stuff, too, and a lot of them are great men, don't get me wrong, but they're held up on high as, and I know the way it was always portrayed to me, was a preacher prays and is told what to preach every single night. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what he's saying comes directly from God. So if it's coming directly from God... Uh, I might want to listen. So, but what yeah, this yeah. does, instead of painting these guys as fallen men, as as imperfect men, like they are, like we all are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're painted as this direct connection to the divine, and then questioning them becomes almost out of the question, because yeah. then yeah. if somebody's this close, and then it leaves it ripe for abuse, right? Like we're talking about this evening, mm-hmm. yeah. And this this is such a this is such a common, um, like it, it, yeah, it's just it's such a common thread that runs through this. And um, I had a friend point this out to me, which was a it was like a, a huge revelation to me that. Um, and, and I'm gonna I just had something else I was wanting to say, so I'm gonna say that and then I'll come back to yeah, this. Go ahead. But you know you know in the um, in the holiness movement in the Baptists. The you know conservative Christians as a whole, there's been a major push against the internet. Yes, you know, and I'll tell you why that is. Like they want to say it's about pornography and it's about this, that, and the other, and all these reasons why they give. Now, but the fact of the matter is, it's about controlling the flow of information. Ooh, boy, that's- <laughs> exactly. The fact that the four of us are sitting <laughs> oh. here having a conversation that they can't moderate. 
that they yes. can't shut down and that potentially hundreds of their constituents can listen to mm-hmm. and get another mm-hmm. point of view is absolutely terrifying to these people. Yes. Yes. yes They're losing the grip because, for the control of the yeah. situation and the people you, that they've gained. Yeah. Oh, man. You, you can't control what people are talking about. Like it used to be something happens you don't want everybody to know about, you shut it down. Yes. And mm-hmm. there's no, what are you going to do? How are you going to get it out? How are people going to know what really happened? Now you go on Facebook and next thing you know, there's three, four people in the comments saying, yep, that happened to me too. I know yes. exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And boom, yeah. all of a sudden the story's out. And this is why you can get up. You have to get up early and sit up late to convince me that, that there's any other reason why that these people are opposed to the internet other than the fact that it breaks their monopoly on the flow of information. I think that's a very that good is, point. That is that is absolutely that is good. absolutely the way it is. I never really looked at it that as way, but it, it makes it, it it makes a very solid point because what happens, yeah, so. what you see in these outfits, it's the same thing in government. Mm-hmm. Okay, you get some mm-hmm. guys and they decide we're going to run a you know an authoritarian way of doing things, and it always becomes control the information. Right. You have the same yeah, thing in absolutely. religious government. Okay, we don't yep. we are running our own little tight ship here, and don't be questioning it. Don't be looking for information because if you do, you'll realize we might be wrong on something. Yes, and well, it and it becomes the whole. Um, I'm choosing to bury my head in the sand for just this one particular. Like I'm going to go to the stake for this one ball of information instead of like, hey, mm-hmm. this ball can be going different directions, and you this ball can be getting bigger like a snowball. Mm-hmm. I, I hate how that mm-hmm. becomes. Yeah. No, you guys are right. The 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 moment I'll tell you I'll tell you the day I realized that the whole thing was a bunch of baloney. Um, and it, I was sitting in I was sitting in chapel at Allegheny Wesleyan, and this guy was preaching away, going down a whole line of standards of what was godly to wear and not wear, and this whole bit. And he starts talking about women's hose, <laughs> and and how and how wicked it was for women to wear dark colored hose, and how godly women wear light colored hose. Oh my goodness! And I sit there oh. saying, now I know you're full of baloney. Because when I grew up, godly women wear dark color hose and light color hose are the devil. Yeah. So one of you guys don't know what you're talking about, okay? One <laughs> of you guys are just making stuff up. Yeah. And I realized this whole thing. It's it's you're just saying what you think and your opinions, your opinions, and my opinion. Like it's just with God, wouldn't he be telling everybody the same thing? And he's not. <laughs> That's a very good What's point. Your opinion? And you're pretending you're pretending and this is um I had a friend point this out to me a couple weeks ago, um, that was just like a massive light bulb went on he said you know these groups that he said you look at cults he said cults do one of two things they either say like the like the book of mormon you know we have an extra bible it's like an addition to the bible and so you got to read that plus you got to there's a lot of different groups out there that do that they have the extra books yes that give them the stuff right well, no, that's not okay we know that's not okay then the other groups say well, you know, this part of the Bible doesn't apply. This part of the Bible doesn't apply. You know, they don't listen to the whole Bible. They, they ignore, they pick and choose. They hope the witnesses do that, you know. Mm-hmm. They leave out the parts they don't like. He said, these groups don't do that. He said, what they do is a neat little end run by saying, yeah, the Bible says what it says, but the Bible also says that church leaders are authority that are speaking for God. And so when I talk, I'm speaking for God. Yep. And so we don't have to worry about it. Yep. Right. It's actually it's, a pretty slick get, move when you think about it. They get the same effect. Yeah, it is. They get the exact same effect as if they were writing their own book, except it's even nicer because they can just make it up as they go along. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trouble get the thing published. Yeah. Well, and I'll even take you one further. Uh, I miss the group that you went, that you came from. Yep. They got, they got their church manual, they call yep. it. Yep. 
And if you want to be a part of this church, you have to follow this manual, these extra rules. And it's even presented to them as these men go in and they seek the face of God yes. when they're coming up yes. with these rules. So therefore, two plus two equals four. Yes. We're, not, we're not really going to say it, but... You know, it they basically right. it basically becomes a book like uh, the second book, like the last mm-hmm. index of the Bible. Yep. Um, <laughs> Gets into where a very get, Book of Mormon feel. Yes, and it says the, these words have been inspired by God because it was delivered in in the whole um, at the atmosphere where the, we all came together as one mm-hmm. and we agreed this is how it's supposed to be as in the day of Pentecost. Like I'm get I'm being totally serious. That's what they do. Oh yeah. They say, oh, okay, yeah. we 50 yeah, people came together and we've decided this is how God wanted it. The Bible was not clear enough. So we needed to add. Um, so you guys could understand that this is what and the Bible I, meant. What? <laughs> and, I, and I can prove, and I can prove to you that that's baloney in, in just really simply easy way. Okay. Because if God was truly talking to all 50 of those people and telling them all what to do, they wouldn't have had a meeting. They'd all be doing it. They wouldn't need a book to write it down in. They'd just all be doing what God told them to do and all match. That's yeah. a very good yeah. point. Yeah. That's yeah. very like, good. The fact you have to write it down means there's some people that aren't doing it. You're trying to make them do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I had this go around with my dad the other day and he's like, um, you know, we have to basically, we have to make people at our church, you know, go and do a, B and C. And, and I said, dad, I said, you want people going to your church that are doing this stuff cause they want to, or cause they have to, he hmm. said, well, obviously cause they want to. I said, so why are you making them then? I said, as long as you make them, they're, not, they're only doing it cause they want to, cause they have to, not cause they want to. Exactly I'm going right. to ever get them to do it cause they want to. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so what are we going to have? We're just going to have people. Yeah, we are. That's good. Then we know where yeah. people are at. Yep. Yeah. Right. Why, why? Why wouldn't I want to know what did what whether Sally Schmidt is following her standards in in in, in dressing holy? I don't want to talk about standards even. I'm just talking about dressing holy. What when Sally Schmidt comes in? You know, I, let's just take women wearing pants because that's everybody's hot topic, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a big. Um, one. So we'll just use that as an example, right? So if you really believe that there's a good reason, and the thing is, like my wife wears my wife wears skirts and stuff, and that's what we plan to keep doing. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's a sin to wear pants, but I, I if if I was if I had a daughter, I'd feel like I have a lot of things I could say to convince why it's a good idea to wear a dress. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I hope I can convince her. I'm not going to pretend like the Bible says it because the Bible doesn't say it. Bingo. Now, th- see, that's where so many of these people could take some could take some tips from this right here. You can't if you think it's a good idea, then it's a good idea. Convince me it's a good idea. Yes. Don't tell me, thus saith right. the Lord. Yes, so, but they present it that way yep. as if okay, this is God yep. and He said. And I'm like, where are you reading from? Show me in the Bible because my Bible don't say that right. at all. And they're like, well, right. um, and, and they've I'm like, got a defense for that. Yes. That's a rebellious attitude. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. calling us, calling us on it is it shows you how the problem. Yes. And the thing is that. So here comes Sally Schmidt in off the street, and she's like, well, this is great, and she's coming to your church and stuff. And so once in a while, you talk about the 17 reasons why you think it's good for women to wear a dress. One day, Sally Schmidt comes in wearing a dress. You're like, wow, we convinced her. Yeah. You know, it's, if, if Sally Schmidt comes in wearing pants, you know, you haven't convinced her yet. So you can have a conversation. And maybe you'll never convince her, and that's okay, because the Bible won't say it. Exactly yes. right. But like, why would, you, why would you want her to conform without believing it? And he's like, well, he's like, but Sally Schmidt comes to your church and she's wearing pants. Then half the women in church are going to start wearing pants. I say, must be doing it because they don't believe it then. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they don't believe it, that's what they're going to do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. They want you to. I mean, with the they, I mean they want I, it's not my, ba- it's not my not job. Yeah. Pardon me? They want you to conform, not reform. 
a right. Greek you know, right? Yeah, exactly. The, and, and that's the that's the whole thing that you see again and again with these with this kind of approach is they don't really care how you get to that point. We just want you to conform. Yes. We don't really care. We don't care if you believe it. We don't care what. We just want you to shut up and do it. Yep. Yeah. We, you know, we get told. Perfectly. We said. get told. Well, if you do it long enough, then the convictions will come. Yes. So when we so when we left the conservative church we were in, um, I told my wife she needs to tell him she didn't, but I told my wife she needs to. I said you need to tell him you tried, you did it for a long time, you did it because we we were, she was almost forty when we left the church there, and um, I told him you did it for almost forty years. The conviction didn't take. You figured if it hasn't taken, but now it's not going to. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem was she was hanging around with that wild Sally Schmidt. You kept on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you know Sally, Schmidt. <laughs> Sally Schmidt, man. I tell you, <laughs> these and a lot of these might seem like trivial things, right? To, and, and they will always pass them off as as trivial things. You know that well, you shouldn't be worried right. about this. But this can lead to, and this is really what got me paying attention to uh, your post, David. There's some flat out stinking horror stories. Yeah, that can absolutely come from this blind following and this abuse of power. So why don't you why don't you clue me in on a little bit of that? Like what got you yeah, into all this? I'll go ahead. I'll tell you. I call this the day that the switch flipped. Um, okay. I have I have a number of friends that grew up, and thank God that's not something I experienced. I never experienced um, you know sexual abuse or anything of that nature um, growing up. But I've realized more and more that I'm kind of one of the lucky ones. Um, like sexual abuse is rampant in conservative Christian cultures. It, it simply is statistically um, every measure that you have for it. Yep. But the, th the problem is abusers, and I'm going to use the word weaponize again, because that's what it is. Abusers weaponize forgiveness. Yes. And they use that to continue to have access to victims and make the victim the bad guy because they don't want to be around the person that just abused them. And so um, I'm just I'm going to tell and this is probably one of the most horrific stories. Well, it's not the most horrific, but it's an incredibly horrific story that I'm going to tell in a fair amount of details. So if if you're sensitive to that kind of thing, this might be a time you tune out for a little bit. But yep. um, this is this is the day that the switch flipped for me. Like I cared about abuse before. I had some friends that were sharing about the importance of abuse and so on. But the day that I figured that I was like, I'm going to start being outspoken about this. I don't care. Was. Um, about so oh, it's been about two getting on three years ago um this uh yeah it's about three years ago now this summer was this summer it was three years ago the pittsburgh post gazette major uh newspaper there in in pittsburgh um and even the kind of the tri-state area did a series called coverings specifically on sexual abuse in the amish and mennonite church oh boy and um, this was like a five-part series. If you have a chance to look it up, it's an incredible series. Um, I've actually met the journalist who wrote the series, and um, he's a great guy, Peter Smith. Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's where um, it was at? Yeah, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. It's called okay. Coverings by Peter Smith. And then he had a couple other people that um, that also that like took pictures and, and assisted in the research and so forth. But there's a story in there about this, um, about this um, couple – that they apparently fairly newly married because they just have one child. The child is a month old. So this is a one month old baby. This guy comes home from work or I'm sorry. Uh, this woman comes home. She's out shopping. I guess it's the weekend. Her husband's home watching a kid. 
She comes home from work and finds her husband with his penis in a baby's mouth. Holy cow. Oh, boy. So this is like, man, so, and he says, you know, he don't know what came over him. He doesn't know what's, well, you know, this is terrible. He never do this thing again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So she believes him. So, um, and, and so what happens is eventually they have more kids. He's more sneaky, molests them, eventually ends up in a psych ward because that kind of stuff screws with your head. She says to the, to the, um, she says to the nurses, well, do you think maybe the fact he's diddling the kids is part of his mental, emotional problems? And the nurses are like, yeah, probably. Um, how about we call the cops now? So they call the cops. The cops step in. Somehow he avoids jail time. I have no idea how he avoids jail time. Because the system's broken. But somehow this guy avoids jail time. The cops do step in and say he's got to be out of the home until he goes through counseling or whatever it is he has to do. Um, So he goes – he and her separate for like three, four years. And – after three, four years, she realized she's done with this BS. She lived with this guy. This guy's this guy's like, this is not. She's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So Guess she tells the guy, "I'm done. We're not going to be together again." The church steps in and tells her, "No, you're going to move back in with him because Christians forgive." No, she says, oh. "She says the hell I am. No, I'm not." The church says, "Fine, we're going to excommunicate you." And the church excommunicated her, and he is still a member in good standing at that church to this day. Oh dear God! Oh my word! Wow! That's oh, oh my goodness! That's terrible. I read that story, and that's the day the switch flipped in my mind. And here's why: because if that little girl had been 18. Well, she was probably being immodest around the home or she probably came on to her dad or she probably this, that and the other because she had struggles. And if she'd have been 16, well, she knew a lot more than she let on. You know how sometimes Mm -hmm. they can be. And if she'd have been Mm -hmm. three or four, well, she should have kept her skirt down because they say this kind of stuff about little kids. Uh, Mm Oh, yeah. But here's a one month old baby. What does a one what can a one month old baby do? Nothing. How could a one month old baby do anything? to lead her father to be tempted, not even, even assuming that somehow somebody acting in a tempting way gives you the right to molest them, which obviously we're not well, before the, you know, I want to be clear. That's right, not right, anything. Right. But even if I grant you that for the sake of the argument that there's anything somebody could do to bring molestation on themselves, there's nothing in the world a one month old baby can do. And it makes no difference. They responded the exact same way that they respond in every other abuse case that you ever run into. And that shows 100 percent commitment to standing and supporting the abuser rather than the abused. As you're exactly right. That's exactly you're right. exactly right. I, I don't understand how. Somebody that that would enable, and I've heard this kind of stuff before. There was an instance happened around our circles. You know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to mention any names. About who my camp? Uh, uh, no, the um, the husband was uh, physically abusive. Like you know, it was beating up on the kids. Yeah. I've yeah. actually had somebody try to tell me who still holds this guy yeah. in high regard. Okay, well, I've know. heard you know that those kids. You know, I'm not saying they deserved yeah. it, but they kind of you know that kind of thing. I've actually heard that myself Make too. It right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, I knew a missionary gentleman. He was a single man, and he was in charge of all the young kids and teaching them like Sunday school and this, that, and another. He was very active in the like the child um, ministry, evangelical child evangelism. I think is what Mm -hmm. he was known as. Um, Mm -hmm. And after he got caught 
molesting multiple missionary, like mission kids, not, not like for native kids, not mm-hmm. missionary kids, but he was molesting them for years. This happened in Africa. This guy got discovered. This man had a dream job. Like, let me tell you, he had everything he could ever wanted. I remember as a missionary kid, we would go there and he, he'd have all these kids just sitting on his lap and yeah, it would be all, Lord. it was, it was weird, weird. But these kids, I, I had it when I was 15 years old, I had a little baby that was just like thrown at me and they said, please take my baby. I can't take care of my baby anymore. And I, like, if I um, could have, I would have taken, Africa? Mm-hmm. I could have taken this baby and done whatever I wanted to, to this baby. That's just how they're so like, they're broken. They are so impoverished that they, they think it's a way to, to better themselves. Like they don't care if they have to be raped. That's just how they, they view it. Mm-hmm. And so if mm-hmm. I had a baby just mm-hmm. thrown at me at 15 years old, I cannot imagine what, what a man had who had money, who had yeah. everything he could ever wanted was doing to these kids for years that he was over there in Africa. Years. Yeah. So. And that, that's the, that is actually a good lead into the follow-up story, which is kind of the other side of this. Um, I'm trying to imagine an organization that would be the equivalent in, in holiness circles. The closest I think I can come to is maybe EFM. Because uh, they're they're pretty, aren't they? Like most holiness groups would support them, right? I yeah, mean, they're a, yeah, they're pretty broad. They got a pretty broad based appeal, don't yeah, they? Yes, they, they're they like more middle of the road. Yeah, they're like they're, a lot of people EFM. Baptists yeah. like them. I know our group. Our, um, there was another one too, Evangelical Bible Mission. I'm EBM. not familiar with them, but I do I remember EFM them. coming, speaking EFM. like Clinton okay. Camp and stuff like that. Yeah, yep, I've heard of them. So, so, um, so think about an organization with that kind of broad based appeal. There's a there's a Mennonite organization called Christian Aid Ministries. It's 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 based in in Holmes County, and they are they are supported by everybody from the Amish to the Mennonites. Like if you have any kind of Mennonite Amish connections, um, you feel an affinity with Christian Aid Ministries, and they've been they've been operating for years back when. Back when the Russians, you know, still the Iron Curtain, they were sending food packages to Christian widows over in Romania who were, you know, needed food or needed clothes. Like this is this is like kids would, you know, they'd have a, a, a calf that they got to raise and they'd send the money that they raised the calf to Christian Aid Ministries to buy Bibles for Russia. And like this is this is just like part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Christian Aid Ministries is everybody's baby. Mm-hmm. Well, about four years ago. Um, Christian Ministries had this this incredible scandal. Um, and so I'm going to actually back up and tell you the backstory rather than how it broke because it's a lot more confusing. Okay. So there's this guy, his name's Jariah, Jariah Mast. He's in prison now, thank God. But um, he is, he was always kind of known to be a pervert. Like from the time, he, but his mom and dad were, were preacher's kids. Or his mom and dad were preachers, rather. He's a preacher's kid. So you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. That's bad, you know. But not actually dealing with this stuff. And he was just always known to be kind of pervy. So he goes down to Haiti to be a missionary down there. And he molests kids down there. Is this, forgive me, forgive me. Um, was this the guy you mentioned? I you, think you told I, me about a guy from Haiti. That I probably did uh, mention okay. this too. I'm not real yeah, familiar. Probably. I've heard of the story, but I'm not yep. real familiar with it at yep. all. Okay, I've heard so, of this. Actually. This, is, this has been all over. This was actually this actually made it to a, I think ABC or CBS News or something oh. like that. Like it, 
it hit the national news for a couple days when it came out. Wow. So he goes down, he's molesting kids. Now, that happens. Hey, you know what? That can happen to anybody that they think they got a good guy and turns out to be a bad guy. Because mm-hmm. if, if anything, if, if anything, these discussions are showing us is you just don't know. Right. You don't right. know. Right. But he comes back and cries a few tears and says he's sorry, convinces two guys on the board that he's actually sincerely sorry. And they send him back. And for the next four years, he's molesting kids down there. He is so blatant. He's in charge of their school system. And just to give you an idea of how sick and how blatant this is, he carries a bottle of oil around with him in his personal effects so that he's ready when the opportunity presents itself. Like, that's blatant. Wow. Number two. Lord have mercy. Number two. Wow. He tells these kids, because, you know, these kids will just give you another uh, just picture of how horrific it was. These little Haitian kids, most of whom are orphans, so they've got nobody to look out for them. Mm-hmm. When they're going to bed at night or tying her pants on with Baylor twines, we can't pull them off. Oh, dear Lord. And he comes oh, in the middle of the night goodness. to molest a little kid and they won't let him or they resist. Next day comes when he's handing out the food that's being donated. That kid doesn't eat. Like he just he is just like completely in control of these kids lives and is doing anything that he wants for four years. And they knew he was a molester and they sent him down there. Wow. Now okay. it gets worse. Oh no! Then it gets worse. Oh. Yeah, it gets worse. No. So, so eventually, one of the Haitian pastors picks up on what's going on and reports him to the cops. And as I'm sure you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. The very instant this is going on, Jariah Mast had an attack of conscience. The Holy Ghost started convicting him like he'd never been convicted before. Oh he was so convicted. Oh, at at no. the very same so time, convicted. the cops. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was that convicted happens. that he had to leave the country of Haiti by night and fly oh. home to the U.S. and make it right what he had done all those years ago that was pervy when he was a little kid. That's how convicted he was. Unbelievable. So he the country. Just and yes. um. And his his church that he goes back to gets up in court because he confesses to his U.S. crimes. He committed crimes in the U.S. that were still within the limited statute of limitation. He got 10 years for his U.S. crimes that he confessed to. And his his church here in the U.S., after him molesting kids for all these years without anybody knowing, gets up and tells the judge that he's not a danger to society, that he's completely repentant, that the judge should give him very little jail time. Meanwhile, they're telling him that with the great victory he has in his repentance and how God's delivered him from all this sex and sin, that he can go work at a home for for men who are struggling with sexual sin and help them to, to find victory the way he did. Oh, my word. Yeah, it is. You, this is all. I, I mean, this is stuff. People, anytime you tell these stories, people think you're nuts. People think you're making stuff up because it's so nuts. But this is all a matter of public record. This isn't stuff I heard through the grapevine. Right. This is stuff you can go oh, and yeah. read in the newspaper for yourself. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like you can read quotes of the stuff that these that these um, ministers were saying in the courtroom to the judge. Mm. Psychos. And people still are telling us. I posted on my Facebook wall the other day about Cam because so what Cam did, they tried to hush the whole thing up. Um, They went down to Haiti 
and took money that had been donated to Cam. Well, actually, wasn't money had been donated to Cam. It wasn't donor money. All the money Cam has is donor money. So, yeah, it was. There's actually money that was interest on donor money. So that makes it okay to spend however they want, right? Of course. But anyway, and they went down. They said, we're not, we're not doing settlements. We're just giving these kids some money to help them out because their lives have been wrecked. So they're giving these kids $10,000 um, American, which is a lot of money in Haiti. Oh, yeah. And they're getting these kids to sign documents saying we won't sue Cam, but it's oh. not a settlement. Cam gets on their on their website and they say, we're not going in authorizing settlements. Oh, okay. Then it comes out that they're actually are giving money. Then they said, well, their lawyer said, well, yeah, people are calling them settlements, but they're not actually settlements. It's just money to help. And there's definitely not any kind of strings attached. Then oh. people started producing the documents that said there yes. were strings attached. Yes. And they said, well, okay, we're not the settlements that we said we weren't doing, we're we're gonna quit doing the settlements we already told you we weren't doing. <laughs> and you can trust us. Oh, of course. Wow. Of course. Really just a couple days people. ago, just a couple days ago, a guy released the documents, a guy who had access to the documents released documents that said indeed that there was a hush clause in the document that the kids weren't allowed to be talking to people, which is what everybody had been saying from the start and which is what they were denying. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm, so I'm basically, completely speechless. We're still supposed to send them our money because there's all these good, it's all this good that they're doing. They're doing so much good in the world. So we're supposed to ignore all this despite the fact they're a bunch of dishonest snakes Yep. and be partakers in other men's sins. I have no idea what to even say to that. I, I'm, I'm like astonished, Phil. Okay, it's everywhere, was, was this the guy that um, Haiti wanted him to come back and answer for his crimes? Yes. Okay. But see, that's not going to happen because the U.S. isn't going to extradite somebody to Haiti. Right. No. That's simply no. not. He, I'd heard about he this. He wanted to go back. U.S. won't do that. No. Uh-uh. But it doesn't matter because what he did is a federal crime. Yeah. Like, I don't think he'll see the light of day again. The FBI's got 10 years to build their case. And by the time he's getting out of jail for the first round, the FBI's going to lay federal charges on him. Um, he, I, don't think he'll, I don't think he'll ever see the light of day again. David, here's, oh my. here's my question. How does a group, and, and this isn't just picking on, on Cam or, or Mennonites, how right. does a, because we all know the Catholic Church had the same, like, same oh, scandals. Yes. How yeah. does a group that claims to be a Christian-based group, how do they wrap their head around, bend their mind, whatever, to do these kind? Not only to permit, okay, so you got a bad apple, all right? Okay. Then you take all these countermeasures to cover it up. Mm -hmm. You send him right back because yep. he supposedly he's talked to God and everything's good, and so now this guy. And then all this hush money. How how do you convince yourself that that's okay? Well, it's the same way that the Bible Missionary Church sent a child molester um, back on the mission field after he was exposed for it, and people start testifying about it. And they did this too. Yes, it, it, it's very hush hush. And the fact I even mentioned it to my parents, and my parents were like, "What? No, we didn't know that." And I was like, "Yeah, it's the same example why a missionary." Um, a family member was molesting his family members and um, the kids, they discovered mortar oil um, on the little girl's oh, private dear. parts. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So like, and, like, and this is stuff I know. Every time you know. think you can't. Yeah. 
Every time, every time you think it can't be worse, but it comes down to it comes down to and this is my opinion anyway. It comes down to a couple things. Number one, when you have a group that cares more about looking right than being right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you and that's what we have. We have groups um, that are so focused on the outward and looking good. And um, one of the things that, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, um, I'm gonna kick, I'm gonna kick this dog a little bit while while I'm on this subject because kick I think it, it's tied in. Um, it, this is something I saw more in the Hornet circles than I did in the Matt circles. So this is, if this comes across a badge of Hornet people, I, I think it's, I think it's more an attack on a symptom. But there is a there is a codependency that I see in a Hornet's movement and in a lot of conservative Christian movements. Like the world is is rejecting what we believe in. The world is rejecting us. We're oddballs. We dress different. We look different. We believe different. Uh-huh. Our beliefs are under attack. And like we need these people. We need this approval from the world. And we're not getting it here. So we go over on the mission field where these people are poor and they need us and they come around in droves. And then we can feel like the big papas who, mm-hmm. who are needed and who are important. And all these people come and are listening to us now. And we wouldn't do anything to let native pastors take over because then they wouldn't need us anymore. And it's like <laughs> we need them to need us. Oh, boy, yeah. that's a good point. Yep, and, that is. And, and that that whole culture breeds this narcissism that it's all about me and what I want and about what makes me feel good and about climbing my way to the top. So I look good. So I have the, the, the approval and the praise it's about the praise of man. And anytime that you have people that more care about what other people say about you than what God says about you and how you look rather than how you are. And we've all seen it. We could all give dozens of examples. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If you, if you spend any time of people that that was exactly what it was, they look good. And nobody could see past that. Right. Yes. Yeah. And once you have that, your abusers just make their way to the top because they've perfected that. It's a survival skill. Mm-hmm. It's a way of getting by. And some of these guys actually get a thrill out of the fact that they're so blatant about it. Like that's part of the fun. That's yes, part of right. the excitement. You're right. Is the fact that I can do this right under everybody's noses and nobody has any clue because I'm just that smart. I'm just that good. It's that same codependent attitude that, um, that, that, that just pervades this culture. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll even give you an example from Clinton camp. There was a guy up there. I, I saw him for years, saw him for years, him and his dad. Uh, they used to come to the youth gatherings, all that, uh, as as long as I can remember, they were there. Right. Him, the dad, and the son wound up molesting a, I think a like nine, ten, twelve. Two, two boys. So they were oh like my goodness. Six there was, and seven. I think they only got the one. Okay. And then after the they were put in prison for this, and this happened not that long ago, mm-hmm. within the course of about three years. After they put in prison, they start bringing up more charges. On the son. And if I'm not mistaken, the district attorney, the prosecuting attorney said, this is the worst case of child abuse that I've ever seen in this county. And this Mm -hmm. guy was right under all of our noses for all these years. Yeah. Lord knows what. Yeah. Yes. Happened on that campground over the course of those years. Oh, my goodness. You know, and it's crazy. Go ahead. Okay. I was just to say, your mom pinned him, too. 
Your mom said there's something wrong with these two guys. They would always she said show that years up. Ago. Yes, she did. She would. They would show up at um, like youth organization or Ruth get-togethers. Um, they would always like be there. They're like these older guys. Like, why are you at a youth get-together? Like, it wasn't like they were in charge mm-hmm. or like a speaker or a singer or right, even collected right. the offering. They were just randomly there. Yep. And I want to make clear, I'm not mm-hmm. using this to slander the camp. I mean, you, none of us knew, right. you know, yeah. but, but I'm, right. I'm saying exactly. just to say it's there. And, and you're, you're, yeah. And you're not responsible for what you don't know, but right. when you find out and then you're covering for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I can tell you, I've sat in different courtrooms in different times and I've seen the, the, the perpetrator side of the courtroom full of supporters and not a single person there to support the victim. Yep. Oh. That's staggering. Again and again. Um, some of you saw the post um, that I shared recently about about that girl that was um, raped by her dad for the time she was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the molestation started when she was four, goes on. Um, one of the most horrific stories I've ever read. And and at her sentencing, he- at his sentencing hearing, he got sentenced over 100 years in prison. Um, thank God. Mm-hmm. But at his sentencing hearing, his church people came and supported him and uh, badmouthed her and accused her of lying and and accused her of doing that, all that damage to herself. Like, I don't know what they thought she was using power tools or something, but yeah, like what kind of. Yeah. And, and, and these are supposedly godly people. And then we wonder why don't we have the fire? Where's the glory they used oh, to have? Exactly. Well, I right. can't possibly imagine if I was the Lord, I'd have packed up shop. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, like, yeah. you, like, and, and the thing that really upsets me, because if you guys are anything like me, I had a really sensitive conscience, especially when I was younger. I had to learn to not be so oversensitive in my conscience. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so me here too. I am feeling guilty because I listen to a country song and I feel like I need to go down the altar and make that right mm-hmm. because I listen to country song and talk about drinking. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there's people in here molesting kids that aren't bothered by it. And I'm thinking I'm the one that's a, that's the one keeping revival from happening because I can't listen to right stuff oh on the radio. You know what I'm Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Like, yeah. Okay. Since we're talking about it, like the church, I remember there was a pastor and I, I legit think he had issues. He said that his wife was not able to leave the bedroom without being fully dressed. She could not leave the house without or leave the bedroom without having a on full shoes and she could not like even leave with her robe on her hair had to be perfectly now, done see, that she had could not wear her nightgown she could not wear her nightgown in her own house and he was like no yep. he said my wife has to be perfectly presentable she said our bedroom is our bedroom but and i'm like and your house is your He's house got, people like that yes. have got a serious yep. problem they have a problem the right. same and that there's the yeah absolutely so it's, it's a sexual obsession. Yes. And conservative cultures, they, 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 they get all warped about sex and it causes all these issues. Like it's psychotic. I'm going back to that, but it is. It it's is. like you work people, you make people so hypersensitized to it. Little kids growing up and they're just like, it's just like drenches the environment that they're in and they're so sensitized to it. Well, no wonder they're a bunch of walking balls of perverted hormones. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because exactly. you made them that way. Yes. Yes. Yes, where they make, and, and I'm going to say it, and I was talking to someone about this, and I said, you know, they have made sex such a, like, don't even talk about an issue that it's become yeah. rampant secretly in a way that yeah. it's wrong. Instead of it being something that is, you know, the Bible even says, like, God approved it for a man and wife, and like, you guys want to go at it, go at it. That's your guys' business. But, like, it, that's never addressed. It's never talked about. Yep. And, and it, yep. it becomes it becomes that no-no thing. So whenever someone 
anyone talks about yep. it. Oh, shut up, shut up. No, don't say nothing about it. No, but keep your mouth shut. Yep. And I'm like, but I'm talking about how I was molested when I was 10 years old. Yeah. Please listen yeah. to me. Listen to me what I'm <laughs> but saying. But that just plays in the hands of the abusers because yep. now it shuts you up from saying anything's going to make them look bad. Yep. You don't, in some cases, kids don't even have language to describe what's happened to them because they don't even know the words. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, and, and that they feel guilty because all the messages they hear about, you know, putting the blame on the victim, put the blame on the woman because she was a temptation and she this and she that and on and on it goes. And, and then like, and, and this happened, um, and this is strange a little bit into politics, but this happens even in the case of, um, the, the Brett Kavanaugh case, you know, where that woman came out and whether or not you want to believe what she said was true That's or not, fine. or whether you think it was kind of convenient, the things people were saying about her and the personal attacks people were making on her. That's fine. You could say, look, overall, I don't find her story believable, but I'm just like, dude, if I was somebody that, that heard my, if I'm somebody who'd been molested and I heard my close friends talking about a random woman online, the way I heard people talking about her, mm -hmm. I wouldn't tell them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, then you wonder why are people telling, why are people sharing yes. what happened? Because when they do, you get shut down. Yes. We don't talk about that. You don't get believed. You get told you're a troublemaker. On and on and on it goes. This is something that a friend sent to me, which I think is just, I think just hits the nail on the head. Um, we recently had actually just a couple, just just this last weekend, the news broke about a well-known writer and pastor in the Mennonite circles who was also a school teacher for years. And he's 70 now. And according to the allegations, which he confessed to, 40 years ago, he touched a female student's crotch. Mm -hmm. So uh, that means he was that means he was five years younger than I am now when he when he did it, because uh, roughly. So um, we're talking an adult man, right? This mm -hmm. is not some teenager who got horny and curious. This is somebody who's in position of responsibility and so right. forth. And right. he said, well, that was taken care of at the time. Well, it comes out that that wasn't the only time it happened. And he actually just resigned. So it's kind of a big kind of a big shock, you know? Yeah. Wow. Um, because this guy is well known. I've heard him preach. He talked at teachers' meetings. Um, he's a pretty popular guy. And boom, here we have it. And I shared this with a friend, and he said, um, he said this. Every one of these revelations gives me sadness, but no flicker of surprise. I've become convinced that it's next to impossible for a genuinely honest, well-intentioned, godly man to rise to a high status in a system built on coercive authoritarian control and the praise of man. Show me a man who's been elevated to a high status by that system and who has broad approval of its most powerful entities, and I'll show you a man I wouldn't trust around my wife and kids. It's an evolutionary selection process in an authoritarian system. Those who lack the hypocrisy and ruthlessness that the system rewards will be outcompeted by those who do have those qualities, and they will remain nobodies. And that's why you still find precious Christ-like nobodies everywhere in these churches. Yeah. yeah. That is very well stated. I think he just hit the nail on the head. Yes, that he did. I, mean, I just think that, wow. that that just sums up what we're seeing is because these systems are not built on honoring Christ. They're built on approval of man. You're now, exactly. what does God think? And, and people mm. will wonder why, why I have a bone to pick with these kind of outfits. It's because of stuff like yep. this. This is the kind right. of stuff you open yourself up to. It's yeah. not just, yeah. well, I might get, uh, you know, it's bad enough you get talked down to because you got short sleeves on or something like that. Yeah. If, right. you, if you happen to find yourself among one of the unlucky members to come across one, this blind following 
can lead you yeah. to places like David's describing yes. right here. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and it's scary too, because whenever you do go to a place, like, you know, you're looking for a church to go to, you automatically, because like Phil has mentioned, you get so very suspicious of the people of power. You are very yeah. scared. You're like, I am willingly, yeah. I am willingly taking my family, my children, my loved ones to a church, and they are taking these children to the next room, and I am scared yeah. out of my mind. Mm -hmm. What is going on? Yeah. You know, like, absolutely. I, I'm really scared. I don't want my kids to be going to a Sunday school in the room where I'm not there. I'm seriously yeah. scared because there was a story and I, I heard about this. This guy was, I think it happened in America. He was raping a 13 month old child, like raping her. She was crying yeah. in the bathroom and people did nothing. They thought it was a baby that was just had like upset and everything. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they were like, I was like, I was floored. That was the first time I'd ever heard mm -hmm. anything like that. And I'm like, what does a 13 month old, like, what sexual appeal do you get from that? And I yep. do not understand that. And I, I don't want to like, that is, that is the most perverse thing. Like whenever, cause my brother but, was almost kidnapped as a child. Yes, you, you do. People defend it. it was a Sunday school teacher. If I'm not mistaken. Like he was had taken you know, a child. You people talk about what a nice guy he was. Yeah. And oh, yeah. How it's an innocent misunderstanding. And, you know, he said he was sorry. You should have seen how he cried. Well, I cried too. Looking the rest of my life in prison. Yes, yes indeed. Yes. Well, I've been crying, but he's not sorry he did it. He's sorry he got caught. Yes. Which we yes. say, I worry about. Yes. But you, but you just, you have all of these, and, and this is the thing. Let me let me just go after this one. Phil and I talked about a little bit in the, in the I guess, the pre-show or whatever, but I just want to lay my finger on this because this is a this is a major bone I have to pick, specifically with holiness culture, because one of my big draws that I had to, um, to holiness culture from coming from the Mennonites is there's a lot more focus on the work of the Holy ghost and, and, and experience with God and something that's real and exciting. And that was something I loved, you know, mm -hmm. um, seeing people get blessed and run the aisles or whatever, you know, and yeah. that's great. And I'll have a problem with any of that stuff, you know? Right. And that was a big selling point. The Holy people have, you know, we got the presence of God, you know, we have all these manifestations of the presence of God and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, that's great. The Holy spirit comes and you can jump over benches and do cartwheels and the whole nine yards, but you got a child molester and the Holy ghost yeah. doesn't think to mention to any of you that that's in there. You, you got a murderous thing in the, you got a murderous thing in your quartet. People run the aisles, and nobody's speaking. Holy Ghost isn't speaking. Any of y'all saying, yeah. "Well, you got a murder in the room. Maybe y'all deal with that." But hey, yeah. hallelujah! Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I have to start wondering if we point. actually have the Holy Ghost. Like, like what 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 upsets me about it is it doesn't do what it says in a box. You're, yes, like perfect perfect this description. Is, this is supposedly the presence of God is here, and yet. The presence of God isn't rooting out this perversion in the midst. Like you can have service after service because mm -hmm. I know the schedules that these groups have. You were in how many camp meetings? You were in how many camps and services of every kind yep. with a murderer stinging, and not one person said, "Man, there's something not right here." Yeah, yes. there's, there's something. My spirit is telling me <sighs> that there's something really dirty going on. Then I have to wonder. Do you actually have the Holy Ghost you guys are claiming to, or are you just hyperactive and like to dance around? <laughs> that, or or mean, hyper-emotional. Hyper-emotional. A lot of people, they, they're all about getting up there, and they'll, they'll cry their tears, and they're like, I feel the Holy Spirit. And I'm not 
there have been times like 100%. I know that I, I have felt the Holy spirit there, but like they, they, it's like all yeah. the time, this person, one person gets up and they cry their 50 tears that they have to do. They get their five minutes of fame, getting up there saying what they have to. And then they sit down and I'm like, but it, it, it's totally like not even the Holy spirit because like they're covering yeah. up their sins. Right, exactly. Very well, I firmly believe there's a lot of playing with people's emotions in this thing. Oh, yeah. I, in fact, no, no, I've no. experienced oh, yeah. it uh, being behind the scenes at, at, you know, growing up in our culture, uh, you know, in holiness culture, if mm-hmm. you could play an instrument, you were, by George, get up there, you better not, you better use your talents for God or he might take them away from you, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, you were yeah. involved in the, in the music and stuff like that. And I've even heard people like... Oh, this song right here. This will get them going. This will get them going. And it's like, I'm wait like, what are you doing? Yeah. Is this is this the Holy Spirit coming or are we working up emotion? And I'm pretty well yeah. convinced that many times what they attribute to the work of the Holy Spirit, not all the time, but I do think sometimes could just be a bit of an emotional response. Right. I don't yeah. know that yep. for a fact. It's just a theory of mine, but you know. And But I want to be careful too because, and we're talking about, almost like a, a different subject now, <laughs> but um, when it comes to that emotional response, we are like, even Jesus showed emotion and like right. we show emotion, yeah. Yeah. But, but there comes a point where it becomes abused. Um, and it yeah. becomes like the only way that the way that the Holy spirit can manifest that he is there. You saw the people running the aisles. You saw this person crying or that person was shouting and it, it becomes like that. That's the only time that the Holy spirit is there. And I'm like, no, my Holy Spirit's there all the time. So I don't know which one you're yeah. talking about right. because right. <laughs> mine says that he's right. with me all the time. I've even seen it yep. portrayed as the mark of a successful service Yes, is people running the aisles yes. and screaming and carrying on. And, right. and it, we didn't have any preaching. Yep, we didn't have any <laughs> preaching. And, and to the point where I've, I've seen preachers before Almost, if you didn't get up and initiate that, well, shame on you. Oh my goodness! How dare you sit on the service? Felt, you know, stuff like that. I have. I actually was in his church service. We were in this one together, and this this person stood up and just started screaming and doing her thing for about twenty minutes, and then another person stood up and did it for about twenty minutes, and it, it was just that one person. I understand if maybe six or seven people got blessed and started running the aisles, okay, and doing their thing. Like if you feel the Holy Spirit, but that just that one person felt it, yeah, for twenty it just minutes makes you wonder, and then yes, the next person felt it for just twenty minutes, and then the next person yeah. felt it for you know ten minutes, and then it started like dying down, and we're like, all right, well, this has been a wonderful service, uh-huh. you know, we're thankful that you and, it, homemade a sandwich. and then yeah. and then the preacher <laughs> he stood up and he was like, all right, he said, you had your turn, now it's my time, and he stood up, <laughs> it was like it was crazy. Yeah. I, I was just shocked, and like I remember looking at the pastor when all this or the preacher when this is all going on and he was, he was like shaking his head whenever that one, that fifth person had stood up for 20 minutes mm-hmm. and he, he started shaking his head <laughs> yeah. like this. And I was like, I want to yeah. hear what this preacher has to say. Yeah, they, well, and, and that that's my thing. Yeah. So if it's, if it's portrayed as man, we're, we need uh. the moving <laughs> of God. It's like, all right, so let's think this through. We can have yes 12 services in a row yeah. where we're all, uh, we're all praising God and we're having our, our thing. But did anybody, especially the new Christians, did we get one bit of spiritual instruction during that whole time? Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Especially was there anybody convicted? Was there anybody convicted to turn themselves in for being a pervert? Right. Or, yeah. or right. Being a murderer right. or whatever. Right. Like I'm going back to that. But you know, like, like how mm-hmm. how is this happening that that people are, 
you know, and I realized there is the thing and I've been in a service. I'll never forget. I was in a service where there was somebody there that I knew some of the backstory. I knew some of the stuff that was going on and he was standing out there singing like it was all that. And the best way I can describe it, it was like in my spirit, I could hear the tolling of the bell. Like this is a last opportunity. Not, not for, not like I believe he crossed the deadline or whatever, but mm-hmm. like this is the last opportunity to go and start making things right before judgment comes. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that because a couple weeks later, stuff started coming out one thing after the other. And it, you want to talk about, you would talk about looking like a meteor fell from heaven. Like mm-hmm. it was, uh, and, I, and I'll never forget that. So I've, so I've seen that and I've been like, I've experienced that too, where it's not like I think that just because somebody wasn't convicted or didn't respond, doesn't mean God wasn't doing his work. So I want to be right. clear about that right. too. Right. Cause I've seen, I believe God gives faith to repent. But it does concern me when your Holy Ghost that you that you claim to have isn't doing any convicting or at least doesn't appear to be like there, there doesn't seem to be really moving the needle on things. And nobody seems concerned about that. It's really, really, really bothers me. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what what what's going on, you know, and, and, and here you are, um, you know, worrying, like I said, worrying about who looks good. Right. You know, right. And, and the thing is, I remember seeing um a fellow student, I won't name him here, although I think it was a public post. He said this, that was at another Bible college, brand, brand X Bible college. If I said, you're instead of name, you'd know it well, but anyway, and having, and telling, um, saying that one of the, one of the quartet members told him he ought to go murder him. So ought to go kill himself. Oh no. Like, you know, at this one Bible college, you know, one of the most popular guys there, you know, and this, like this darkness, but they look good and they can smile and they mm-hmm. can, you know, they're, they know they're they raise can, their they hand. say the right words. They oh. know. Yeah. The whole bit. And I'll never forget. We were in a service, um, where I think my wife was there too. Um, and somebody from, you know, once again, brand X Bible college, I don't remember which Bible college it was, but mm-hmm. anyway, starts giving testimony. You know, they start to, they start playing the music at the beginning of the song and somebody shared testimony. And I realized, you know, you sing the same songs a lot. You're probably a lot of times have the same testimony. Yes. But she didn't just have the same testimony. It was word for word verbatim, like the same <laughs> thing. Like she memorized the sucker. Uh-huh. And we yeah. can tell that because in the middle of playing a song, somebody stood up and testified and everything kind of shut down. They let the person testify and then everybody got set up again. They start playing the music. And she says word for word, the exact same thing she'd been saying right before there. Yes. Mm. And we're just, Freeman and I are just like, how much of this is just a show? Yes. You're right. It becomes how a stage act. You know, how much of yes. this is actually the Holy Ghost moving? How much is this just working people's emotions and saying stuff? And the same way I saw, I was at another place and somebody gave this testimony and um, I happened to be there later on. We were doing some other activity and there's a paper there on the ground. I looked and it was her whole testimony written out there. Oh. Like, I'm just like, okay, cool. I guess, well, and, you know. And let like, me be clear about it's this like too. It's like a show, you know? If, if a stage act is what you're going for, I, I, I'm fine. But but it's not portrayed as this. No. Okay. You yeah, know, right. and, and people that would have a speech or something like I don't think there's anything wrong with giving a speech. If you if you No, if, I don't either. But it's somebody that does that's looked down upon. You know, this is all this right. all needs to be a, a manifestation of, of whatever's inside of you. I my main reason for wanting to get this on, I know this has been some very difficult topics yes. and some people just can't even it bothers them. Do you hear this? But this kind of stuff goes on. But if you play your cards correctly, that's a very bad analogy to say. Just, but use some common sense. Yes. In these things, yeah. you know, don't blindly trust. Yeah. 
what what did Reagan say about the Russians? Trust but verify. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and I think that's Absolutely. an approach we need to take as Christians. Don't if somebody comes up and, yeah. and claims to be a godly man, it, it don't necessarily take them at face value. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking. And it doesn't hurt to start by believing victims. You know, hey, it might turn out it might turn out not be true, but you know what? You're not smart enough to you know just report it. Like legally, if you're if you're in Christian service, you're supposed to report it. Mm-hmm. So just start out by reporting it. Guess what? You have like in the world at large, they estimate that ninety percent of rapes go um, not unreported, but like if you rape somebody, you have nine chances out of ten that you won't go to prison. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Like wow! Like and so here's the deal: so somebody gets reported, and you report them, the government looks into it. You're you're not going to send an innocent guy to jail. Like mm-hmm. it's really really hard to win a rape conviction. Really 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 hard. And so because of that, like a lot of a lot of people don't even don't even because of what they go through. And and we we've all seen what what victims who do disclose go through so often. The vilification, the accusations, and so forth. It's a rough road to hoe. Yeah. Yes. And yes, so it is. You could just start out by believing. I tell I tell my students. I tell my students at least once a year, I said, I hope to the Lord you never need somebody to talk to. Yeah. But with the Lord as my witness, if you ever need somebody to talk to and you wonder who will believe you, with God as my witness, I will believe you. And, you know, we can start there. Yes. David, I I really appreciate it, man. Thanks very much for your time. I really enjoyed the invitation and and I've enjoyed chatting with you guys too. So I guess we'll do it again sometime. I will let you know when it comes out and uh, I'll be in touch with you about doing another one. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Yep. All right. You have a good one. You too. Bye. Uh, Bye. That was a heavy one. That was rough. I know this is a, this is a lot to digest and some of it, I'm not kidding. When I was talking to, I was flat out speechless. I didn't know what to say. My brain just like shut down. I felt like, you know, (laughs) Gavin used to always say it's hair whitening. I felt like my hair was turning white hearing some of this stuff. And the sad thing is, you know there's more. That, that's just the stuff that has not been... Um, yes. Like, you know there's that's more. That's been discovered. Right. And more than likely, I know David was in the Mennonite circles. Right. There's probably a lot more of it happened in our circles, too. Yeah. And um, so, there's hope. That's the only thing there I, I know to say. There's hope. You don't have to put up with it. Um, you know, trust but verify, like we said. Yeah. If you uh, have any comments or anything on this, please please send them in to us. Hillbillybroadcast at AOL.com. Uh, you can send us a voice message at anchor.fm slash Sparks, and we'll make sure we play it on the show. You can also send us a voice message on Messenger on Facebook. You can find uh, the Hillbilly Broadcast on Facebook as well. Other than that, uh, I know this one was terribly heavy. They won't all be like this. No. <laughs> Thank God I couldn't but- handle it. I do want to say something too. If you're listening to this and you've been a victim, um, reach out to someone. Don't stop reaching out. This world is a really, really hurting world. And we're doing this to bring light to those that are hurting. We're here for you. As a victim myself, it's time for us to stand up. If you need someone to talk to, I'm here. If you would rather talk to a man, my husband's here. Mm-hmm. Ken and Mariah, Jonathan, we're all here to do our best to help you out. But just so you know, you are loved. You are worthy to be loved. 
Jesus is here for you, we're here for you. If there's anything we can do, please don't hesitate to ask. Absolutely. Anybody on this, Absolutely. any any member Anybody. of this cast, I have complete uh, faith all of them will take the time for you. Yep. All right. That's it. Yep. I'm shutting her down. <laughs> I had to cry on that one. <laughs>